Hello and welcome back to Millennial Ag, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valine Likely and Catherine Lonspeech. Listeners, we are halfway through August. Um, I know we say this most every episode, but this year has just, it has, it has been wild and it's gone really, really fast. And, you know, we're sort of just hanging on for dear life at this point and watching whatever, whatever gets thrown at us next. Um, but this week, there has been a little bit of a slowdown in, um, you know, current events in agriculture. At least we haven't seen anything hit us in the face in the last few days. And so Valine and I wanted to introduce a topic that um, we're going to be doing several episodes on sort of as an ongoing series. And it's been um, a topic that we've kind of been throwing around, I think, since we had talked with Sarah Mock on um, exploitation in agriculture. She laid out, you know, the different philosophies and different areas of where she feels like agriculture is um, being exploited, whether it's labor, whether it's owners, whether it's farmland, and just kind of the idea of that. And that's got Catherine and I thinking, and my dad, you know, reflecting back on that episode said, you know, and I thought he'd be somebody that really pushed back and said, I don't agree, you know, because he's, he's been around and he sees how things have been. He sees why things are, and he's, he's a conservative white male. So that's the reaction. If I'm going to stereotype that I would do, would ex- expect to, for him to have. Um, but he actually said, I think she's onto something, but I don't think, I think exploitation is necessarily the right way to put it. And, and that, that made, me start thinking, and Catherine and I have had lots of conversations um, about, you know, different policies and how it, it affects agriculture, but I wonder if a different term couldn't be maybe oppress, oppression or oppressing, you know, ourselves or we're oppressing our children. So just something to think about, but that's kind of where we're going and just this, a different term and kind of mulling it over um, in a couple weeks with a different guest and kind of playing off of that, but we've noticed a few bills, and I'll let Catherine, she's the policy guru, um, (laughs) dive into a couple we've talked about, but also some that we've noticed lately, Um, and we're kind of moving past the, you know, being neutral on things and figuring out how to get involved, how to take a stance, how to change your minds, and how to, like, balance all this stuff right now. Yeah, so like Val said, this has been rolling around in our minds for about a month now and you know, every every few days it'll pop back to the surface and we'll we'll go the rounds on it again trying to figure out um, you know, exactly how to describe what what we're talking about and um shortly after we talked to Sarah Mock, we we became familiar with a couple of bills, one in Colorado or some policy and legislation, one in Colorado and one in California where neutral stances were taken by agricultural organizations um, and and that was not not the right stance to take Um, at least you know in hindsight which is easy to say but um, we really want to we really want to bring this up and start thinking about how agriculture acts right now and how maybe we need to change our tune or or start start um, you know, reacting and being proactive differently towards towards outside pressure um, upon our industry. The bill in California that we're referring to um, came through the California legislature, and it would um, make it so that 
agriculture and food waste could no longer be fed as byproducts to animals in California. Um, all of that food waste would instead be diverted to landfills. And um, right now, you know, animals use an incredible number of byproducts of, of feed and, and fuel, fuel and, um, you know, people food too. And um, they're able to utilize things that are cast offs for us, but they can turn into um, high quality protein sources. And so this, this one was just really, it was really sort of surprising, especially for a state like California, where, you know, composting and recycling and all that sort of thing is such, such a high, um, such a, it, such a high value is placed on it. Um, so Valerie and I were reading into this legislation and uh, we, we read that, I don't know, upwards of 10 or 12 agricultural groups in California had basically been neutral on this until they realized how it would impact them. And by then it was practically too late. Um, they didn't have a lobbyist there. They didn't have, you know, they didn't have the seat at the table that they should have had to be able to, to really um, keep this, this really advantageous um, avenue that they have for, for feeding animals. Um, and that really struck us as, you know, like, why, why would you just sit back and watch and, you know, I think we asked that a lot on this podcast, um, but it, it really got us thinking about how, you know, it seems like everybody in agriculture, you know, outwardly, we all, we all have to go along to get along so that we're presenting a united front, you know, to the consumers or to the rest of the world or whatever. And, you know, um, if legislation or policy or regulation comes down, or it looks like it's coming down that, you know, will affect agriculture, um, it seems more and more what we get is boards voting to not take a stance. And that just seems wrong. It is, it is, you know, untenable to me and Valley. It doesn't sit well with us. And so we got to thinking about how, you know, is that, are, are, are we really sort of oppressing ourselves in agriculture by not, not taking a firm stance on things just because we've been taught to be completely politically correct and we don't, you know, we don't want to look like there's any infighting, even though we know that there's plenty of that, <laughs> or that, um, you know, we might have a, a, a different take on something than, than what might be the, 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 the way things are flowing, you know, sort of um, standing against the tide. Well, and it, it's hard too to process because in agriculture, there's so many different facets of the industry. You've got the nuts, the trees in California and the fruit farmers. And then you got the dairymen and the chickens and the hogs and the beef guys. And then there's a whole different segment in the beef world too that we're all dealing with. Um, and we've talked about the civil wars in agriculture and how, all that and how we do need to stand united together because we are such a small population. But when this chicken bill came through, for example, the impacts it has on our own industry, you know, everybody kind of, there wasn't much talk about it, but what's the implication down the road? Why weren't we at the table having these conversations with the egg producers, with the legislators? Because this could be a topic that affects us because we're, we're headed towards vertical integration of the dairy industry. We're headed towards vertical integration of the beef industry after that and some more integration and and efficiencies, but that takes away sometimes the authenticity of production agriculture that the beef industry and the dairy industry are so passionate about. So how can we, how can we disagree and how can we have a seat at the table 
to prevent this from happening because I think we look hindsight and are like, oh, poor pitiful me. I'm just getting the, you know, the short end of the stick with all this legislation or I'm getting ran out of business because this is happening. And how can we switch our mindset a little bit to be, you know, price makers? How can we be legislate or policy makers instead of just policy takers, instead of price takers? Because this we are like to some extent i think if we stand neutral it's like racism too if you stand neutral you're racist <laughs> or that's <laughs> that's the way it's presented and and we can't stand neutral or we at least have to have the seat at the table at the very beginning conversations of the burger king marketing and at these tables and it takes maybe groups of people maybe a representative but how catherine how do we get past our comfort zone of just putting a shovel in the ground or plowing the fields and milking the cows and going to DC and, and authentically lobbying because sometimes the lobbyists too are a little removed from the industries they represent. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, as, as most of the time, I completely agree. And I think, I think, you know, we've asked this a hundred times on the podcast and we still don't have a good answer, which is why we're, we're taking aim at it now. And we're going to try and find some people to talk to about this and, and uh, dig through it some more. But I mean, it sounds like, you know, or, or what it feels like to me is that when we sit back and watch issues happen or arise or come at us, you know, from, from, from outside the industry, you know, originating not within production agriculture, and we don't invest either in those people or the time and that issues and and those organizations, um, and stand neutral and decide that we can't, you know, we can't take a stand because then that will look like we, you know, oppose something. Um, we're letting someone else steer the ship for, for where our industry is going, um, or or where we, you know, where where policy and regulation can take it. And, um, you know, I don't necessarily think that all those pressures from the outside are bad. Um, I think likely they may be misguided or, or uninformed, you know, because there's not a lot of producers sitting at those kinds of tables. Um, but us not taking a stand and then being mad about stuff that's happened um, after the fact is is a waste of time and energy. And so I think, you know, we need to we, we sort of need to, to buck up a little bit and get some courage and, and be willing to take a stand on stuff that may not sit well with the board that you sit on or, you know, may, may make people say, oh, I don't know if they should have said that, but if it needs to be said, it needs to be said, you know, and I mean, it, it's past time for, for political correctness and, and going along to get along when it comes to harm that may be, may be visited upon our industries. Yeah, and it could, you know, it, and it's not necessarily standing up and saying, what you've done for the last 50 years is wrong, but standing up and questioning at the very beginning when you hear something, should we be concerned about this? Should we be at the table? Should we be there? And start learning. Like, we've got to put our own biases aside, too, and, and be willing to learn what's truly going on, but be at the table at the very beginning to have those conversations because if we're not there, all of a sudden it's headed through the house and then the Senate and the governor's desk and we weren't there and we're like, oh crap, we can't have caged chickens anymore. And yeah, we have we had people there, but did we have dairy people there lobbying? Did we have, 
the industry representation of the beef industry there talking about the implications of things. What about the hog industry? What are their experiences? Where have they been? You know, we need to start looking maybe overseas to what Europe's doing. Where are we going? How can we be ahead of the curveball and ready to take on these challenges in a new innovative way? And, and what do we need to accept? Because like Catherine and I have so much hardcore passion for agriculture and production animal agriculture. But what passions do we need to step aside and step out of our own shells to realize, okay, where is the dairy industry headed? What are we willing to fight and die on? And what are we willing to compromise? Or where are we going to have to adapt so that we can keep the dairy industry in business and not be stuck in the way our parents did it? Or are our grandkids going to say, well, that's the way granddaddy did it. And then are they going to be stuck in the way we're, we're doing it? How do we continue to be progressive, I know that can be a term that makes people cringe a little bit, but how can we be progressive on technology, on innovation, on marketing, on policy making so that our children's children can continue that chain of innovation to get us where we need to go? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it's, it's long past time to be blindly holding hands with other sectors of the industry and just saying, oh, we'll support you in whatever you do as long as it doesn't affect us because eventually, you know, it's Newton's law, right? Every action has an equal, equal and opposite reaction. And, you know, just because it's this industry today doesn't mean that you can't look ahead and see how it's going to affect, you know, another industry down the road or an industry across sectors, crop, livestock, fruits, veggies, nuts, you know, all those sorts of things. Um, well, and, and so, you know, we have this false almost this false sense of we're supporting each other no matter what, but really what it ends up doing is damage to other parts of agriculture um, because we aren't willing to go against the grain and, and, and say what needs to be said. Well, and I think it's a lot like um, policy and politics just in general nowadays, you know, you, there's, they're getting a little better, but the lack of diversity and inclusion makes it so one demographic is making all these policies and it's not intended to be racist or it's not intended to have implications on this this person or this industry but that industry wasn't in that conversation and the rebound effect ends up having implications on them and we didn't even know it because we hadn't even thought of it so we've got to be able to have everybody at the table having these conversations and it might not have any effect but it might actually have an effect and we need to make sure we're including everybody or at least giving everybody a voice in those upfront conversations to see how relabeling milk you know to almond beverage might have on the the net guys like it like we need to keep milk where it needs to be but is it going to have an impact on the almond farmers or you know and are we are we competing with them or are we trying to lift agriculture up altogether right right a rising tide lifts all boats right mm -hmm. and to go back to what you said about our children's children being able to continue our legacies of, of agriculture um my fear is that you know they're going to learn what what I think the millennial generation has observed anyway of the last 20 years of policy, you know, watching our parents and, and parents of friends and grandparents and everybody sit on boards is that, uh, you know, you aren't really boards of action. You're more boards of your, you know, yes, man, which, you know, taken individually, I think our parents and people we know would, would find very, um, very insulting, you know, to even have that said, but, 
you know, pressure, peer pressure is a real thing, even when you're, you know, not a teenager anymore. And, um, you know, I think that there has been some truly good intentions from industry organizations to, you know, try and put a, put a more positive outlook on, on agriculturists for, for the outside world and consumers in particular. But um, I think it's having, having a negative effect in how we stand up and advocate for ourselves and for our industries and what we know to be true and right and best. Um, and, and I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to go against the grain. It's hard to go against, you know, board policy or, or organizational policy for the last 10 or 15 years, but we can see the damage that's being done. I mean, you and I talk about this all the time. We talk about it with our parents all the time who have served on those boards and, you know, we're fortunate to have parents who are just as outspoken as we are, but, um, you know, it does have ramifications. It can, um, you know, personal ramifications of, 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 uh, you know, being asked to leave a board or something like that. But what's more important, your position on a board or making sure that you're protecting the industry that feeds you, your family, our country, and will provide for your, you know, for your, for your legacy and your heritage for generations to come. Well, and I think it's also having, having the courage to listen to somebody's different thoughts, to have the courage to have those hard conversations. Because if we start, you know, internally fighting within industries, we're not going to get anywhere. We're going to end up with RCAF and NCBA and, and the American Cattle Association and the U.S. Cattle Association, and we're really not going to get anything done at that point when we're that far divided. Um, but how do we take, because I think while there's some of them I disagree with, I think there's nuggets of each of them that are very valuable. But how, and, and they all have their reasons for leaving the core group or leaving and starting their own thing. But it doesn't, it doesn't come across very well, especially to the public. But how do we have the courage to disagree or to stand up and say what we don't agree with, with the bylaws or the way we're taking a stance? Or, you know, I feel like the Packers are, are becoming monopolized. How do I have the courage to say that to an organization that I belong to and I respect, but that I want to question without leaving and being associated with, say, RCAF or somebody that's on a completely different, how can we have those hard conversations with those boards and question the norm without losing the integrity that's been built on them? Man, it's, I mean, you and I have talked about that so much. And I think that's really the crux of what we're getting at in this episode is how do we find the courage? And I think specifically we're talking as young people here, people who are, you know, getting ready to join boards or have started to join boards in our industry and are, you know, we really are, we are literally the next generation and it's time for us to learn and, 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 you know, understand how these things work, but we see things happening that we know shouldn't be happening. And the courage to stand up in front of people who we've known our whole lives, who probably saw us running around in diapers, <laughs> you know, and who have a lot more experience than we do, um, is really intimidating. It's a really, really hard thing to do. And I think, you know, we're starting it here with the podcast. We have been, you know, ever since the beginning, we've said no topic is off limits. And, and we've been driving and driving and driving towards getting towards these sorts of conversations. And, you know, it starts with you and I having these conversations and asking how, because obviously neither of us has a, a, you know, a rock solid answer. And I'm not sure that there is just one answer. There rarely is. Um, but it's, you know, 
it's us asking each other these questions, talking to our audience. Thank you for listening, listeners, um, and finding people our age and and older who who um, have experienced these same things and have the same concerns, and do want to see change in that regard. And so, listeners, um, our commitment to you now is that we've we've brought this up is to find those people for you and bring them to you and have real honest discussions about how we can start, you know, um, respectfully going against the grain and making, you know, making positive, a positive difference, um, no matter what your sector is, but standing up for what you know to be, believe, for what you believe to be true and right and to, you know, to have a real voice and not just stay neutral on issues that really are affecting um, us now, down the road, and uh, and for generations to come. Yeah, and we don't we we feel like you know the idea of oppression in agriculture exploitation. Um, you know, we do. We feel like we're we can be victimized. We feel like we sometimes have a target on our back because eating is so emotional. But how do we quit being? oppressed? How do we quit being exploited? And how do we quit feeling sorry for ourselves and take us take a stance on this and have these hard conversations and take, you know, as much passion as we have, but maybe take some of the emotion out. So we want to hear from you listeners. Um, we want to hear what your thoughts are. What, what are, what's going on in your head as we're rambling and ranting about some things that have been stewing over the last few weeks. Um, who do you want to hear from too? Who, if you could choose anybody to talk with us on this subject, who would it be? Cause we want to hear from you. We want to know what you want to listen to as well. So drop us a line, um, either through Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or you can email us, talk to us at millennialag.com. Um, and before we sign off and say, see you next week, we do want to send out prayers and thoughts to the Midwest. Um, they experienced heavy windstorms the last couple of days and a lot of corn and grain and silos have been blown over. Um, and we wouldn't be millennial ag if we didn't recognize some of those natural disasters and devastation that is hitting an industry, um, especially the corn industry in the Midwest. So prayers and thoughts go out to them as well. So until next week, we're millennial ag. Thank you.